Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Live in the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaletti, and we have an insanely awesome guest today. This is Dr. Jason Pugh. He is an award-winning leadership and development manager and facilitator with New Horizons. He builds, advises, and facilitates L&D courses for Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies on how to be more effective leaders in their daily lives. His book is coming out soon, Conquering the Seven Seas, is officially on Amazon July 1st, but you can pre-order it right now, right after you're done listening or watching this podcast episode. Jason, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Matt. Like I said, you're always an inspiration, so this is cool to be a part of this. So I appreciate I, you having me. I can't wait to dive in. We talked a little bit before recording and wait till you hear the story and so many insights this guy has to offer. Let's start out at the beginning and give us a little bit about your background. If you want to talk about your upbringing and if you've always been into leadership or is this something that just recently came about? So, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, so I, for me, I, I've always kind of been a kid that marched to the beat of his own drum. You know, it's, I, I was always kind of a quirky kid, unique, you know, maybe not always the most popular or whatever it is, Matt, but it was something that I think, you, you know, leadership looks a whole bunch of different ways. For me, teaching has always been a real passion of mine. And I think what happened is, is that teaching became something that I could lead other teachers, lead other educators and do all that. And I think, you know, leadership became more natural because you just start to see what's out there, right? Leadership is to me all about seeing what's out there and seeing what can be applied. So I, I kind of fell into leadership and then I fell in love with it. And now it's just become L&D, leadership and development is just all about growth. And so it's a great it's a great gig to have whenever you can do that. It seems like, yeah, I mean, you found just uh, an amazing uh, lane and you're just running straight forward in it. I love it. So you look a little bit different than I've seen Jason face to face, but it's been a while. And he looked a little bit different the last time I saw him. I have to ask about this. I hope you're yeah. comfortable with this. Uh, but I don't want to steal your thunder. Why don't you tell listeners and viewers what's happened to you, at least physically, and then we'll get into the um, your job side. But sure. tell us what's happened over the last 12 months, because this is just amazing. Yeah. So for those that might not know, I first, I actually knew Matt's wife, Stephanie, from years ago in high school. And then I ran into Matt. I saw some things on like Guinness Book of World Records and American Ninja Warrior and all these cool things. And then one day you see him and he's in your building. And so the building I worked in with you, um, we were in the same building and we just ended up, you ended up was just one of those personalities. We struck a conversation and, you know, for me where I was kind of like five years ago and things like that, I was really stressed with a PhD program. We have four daughters, they're all different ages and you can name whatever sort of reasons that they have that, you know, you can make 
I don't like to say excuses, but just come up with reasons why you're not happy with what's happening. And yeah. for me, it was something that over time I played college tennis uh, and, and really was in, I was fit. I was in great shape. And over time, over a course of about eight years, I put on about a hundred pounds. And so when you saw me, I was probably about three fifteen, and wow. I'm, I'm a tall guy that, you know, I'm six, six, yes. <laughs> um, but you know, about a year ago, I was going up the stairs, you know, I went to go visit some people. I was going up some stairs and just, I've got winded and I'm like, man, I hate this. And then we were getting ready to adopt our youngest daughter. So we've two, I don't know if you know this, but we have an 18 year old we've adopted. We have a nine and four year old biological and we have a two year old we've adopted. So in the process a year ago, we were getting ready to adopt and I had to get a physical and all my lipids were high. All Mm. my cholesterol was up. And now you start questioning those things of like, Am I even gonna be around? And 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 you those sort of thoughts start creeping in your mind. And and it just got to a point. My wife was working on her master's. I was done with the PhD. And now I hit that moment of what am I gonna do now? And so and it's and it's something that as of April 25th of 2020, COVID hit. I was heading in a worse direction and mm-hmm. it was stagnant. And I just said, today it changes. And so April 25th always became a day. It's always the week after my anniversary. And it just became something that I looked and I said, okay, time for a change. And so since then, I just started waking up. It was something that I always tried to do a little bit more than I did the day before. Portion controlling. I I made sure I didn't restrict myself of anything, but it was something that, okay, instead of eating four pieces of pizza, I'm going to eat a piece of pizza and I'm going to eat something with it. Side salad, less dressing, something like that. And it was always just finding those small wins and doing so. And then all of a sudden that walking became running and that running became running harder and faster. And it just became something great. And so I've lost a hundred pounds in about eight months. And then I've kept the weight off for about four months. So I'm coming up on that year that I'm 215 now. And I've, I've, I've never felt better. Even in the college days, I'm right about where I am there and I've never felt better. So uh, it was just time for a change. And at the same time, I started writing a book. And so I finished that in about six or seven months and started pushing that, pushing that to agents, starting getting that published and trying to see what I can do there. I mean, we just got to just give it up. I mean, that is so. eight months. The man lost a hundred pounds while he's raising four daughters. You got a whole life outside of that and you're just crushing it. I have to ask for anybody that's watching this and maybe they're in a tough place with their, their yeah. physical health. Maybe they're overweight you had a lot of nuggets in there, but yeah. I want to throw this at you. What would you say to somebody? Because clearly you've had huge success. What would you say to somebody that's that's maybe where you were a year ago? They're bent out of shape with how they feel. How do they get started? Stop being your own worst critic. Ooh. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's very easy that when you have a bad day, that it's easy to derail yourself. And it's easy to get into those moments of, well, maybe that I'm not good enough, or maybe this isn't there, or maybe, you know what, I'm not cut out for this. Like the first, I told, I think I told you before we were talking that whenever I went up our big hill, I went up halfway and I was winded. And that's an easy way to say, well, no, this isn't cut out. And maybe I'm just not good enough. And it's just like, instead of thinking that way, just think, can I go this far tomorrow? Can I go a little bit further tomorrow? I can like, it's just getting into this positive psychology of just saying, it's, it's not about perfection. It's progress, not perfection. 
right? And I think when we start thinking like that, it just starts changing a mindset to say, I can be a lot happier knowing I did something better. And even if I didn't, then let's do it tomorrow. Why not do it tomorrow? And that kind of mindset really gave me, it's the age old adage, Matt, of how you eat an elephant, right? It's, it's one bite at a time. <laughs> yeah. and it's just taking the next bite and it's just going, do you know what? That we, we take this, right? Rome wasn't built in a day and neither is, is progress. And so it's just, it's okay if something isn't quite right. And it's just finding the next step, just taking that next leap of faith to do it, you know? Oh, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I'm writing down small wins and yeah. momentum. And let me ask you this. So did you have times, maybe in the first month or two, because it seems like that first 90 days or 60 days is a huge part of it. Did you have days where you're like, I, this is stupid. I don't want to do this anymore. And what did you do to keep going? I don't know that it was that I felt like it was stupid. I think it was feeling like I was stupid because I couldn't. And I think it was those kind of moments that I was really starting. That's why I was saying not being your own worst critic, because for me, it's not being running is stupid or this and that. For me, it was a deeper thing of saying like, man, I'm not good enough. Like it's, or it's just, man, it's, it's just easier to to do this because maybe it's a lack of self-worth or whatever it is over time. Or, and, and I think we all feel those moments of just not feeling good enough. So then we stop. Right. And, and I think for me, where it was, was just keeping that mindset of just saying progress, not perfection, right. Progress, not perfection, progress, not perfection. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be a little bit better than it was today. So if I ran five minutes and felt like dying, then could I go five and a half? You know, and it was it. just it was just that next idea. And even if it was, you know what? I can't run today. Okay, can I walk? Mm. You know, could I do that? And it was just, and that's the way that I felt like with the book. It's the same way that I feel like with work. And that kind of mindset just became something of just, man, it's a lot easier to get up in the morning. It's so much easier to get up in the morning. It's It's one of those things that even in the job situation, it's like, you know, I don't dread Mondays. I just, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's Monday again. And it, no, it's it, it for me, Matt, it was one of those things. It's like the difference between Monday and Friday is much smaller. Like, yeah, Friday's still cool. But like, the I don't wait and waste four days to wait to Friday. And I don't dread Sundays because of that. So now it's, it's one of those things. It's so much easier to get up in the morning. It's so much easier to appreciate other things because of it. Right. I mean, does that make sense? Makes a ton of sense. I totally get it. And this is a perfect transition into talking about your job and how these things all mesh together. I just want to highlight the fact because you you said this and you mentioned it earlier. Jason did not deprive himself. We talked about it offline too. He he changed his eating habits, definitely yeah. ate less, but it sounds like you didn't say, I'm never eating pizza or ice cream again. Like you allow oh, no, yourself. No. That's great. I think that's so yeah. great. And it's like, it's definitely discipline, but you still, you're still having fun and you're eating some of the foods that you just love. So I think it's, that's huge. It's readjustment and it was just not getting bored, right? Like what's something I haven't eaten that I can just get like, like, and not saying like, I know celery can be bland and it can get stale and things, but it was nice to have that as a change up. Or do you know what today, you know, it's bananas. Like as you know, I ate them as tennis players and I got sick of them and now I found a different love for them again, but they get stale. So I do something different. And, but the idea is just, it's substitution a little bit. And then it's also just 
having the mental capacity to, to say, why don't you, instead of eating three, why don't you eat one and eat something else with it that reduces either that calorie count. And I'm not saying starve yourself because that's not what it is either. It's just finding the green lights on what you're trying to do. I love it. I think that's so good. And frozen bananas, by the way, Jason changed my, in a smoothie, <laughs> frozen bananas. Oh my, I yeah. had one this morning. Oh, it's so good. It changes uh, life. It does. It's frozen bananas. Yeah. I could go, I could talk about that for the next 45 minutes. Uh, okay. So you were talking about your work, new mm-hmm. horizons. Why don't you just tell everybody what it is, what your role is. And uh, I think this is an amazing part of the story too. So hit us with it. Sure. So when, um, so for me, I was a teacher for, for years and I love, I'm teaching never wanted to escape me. That's something that has always been a foundation in me is to teach others, to help others. And so originally, whenever I first met you, I was a training manager. And that was one thing I did for a smaller software company and loved it and loved the job, still love the people to this day. But um, I worked for New Horizons years ago, had one of those greener, grass is greener mentalities and got brought back to head up um, a new venture, which is leadership and development. So we've always been computer learning centers, IT trainings, you know, you name it from like Cisco and VMware and, you know, and even to things like Excel and, and PowerPoint and all that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what started to happen is, is that there's been this new venture in leadership and development. Right. And even pre pre COVID businesses are like, man, we need to teach people how to be more disciplined in their work and how to be more, discipline in their thinking and in their leadership. And so I was asked to kind of take on this project, almost like a project manager and it's, it's boomed. And it's, we, you know, there's 26 different titles. There's all kinds of different things. Now we do everything from like being more assertive in the workplace to prioritizing your time to even things like transformational leadership and bringing in facilitation skills and all of these other things. So we really have a wide range and so I headed up this program and then all of a sudden it, it grew like wildfire. And I think COVID had its own little, I don't want to, I mean, obviously COVID is so serious and it, and it, and it is, but it was one of those things that COVID provided a little bit of a blessing. It, I think things come with a little bit of luck and with COVID, everybody learned that, man, it's not technical skills that we need as much as it is the people skills and the leadership skills. And so our program's grown. And so now I'm, I'm our program manager. I head up a team of facilitators and our program's just expanded on all levels. And, and what I do is I lead a team of facilitators and I also teach the courses as well. So I engage via Zoom and via Teams and other ways to WebEx meetings and and teach others how to be more effective leaders in different capacities, whether that's coaching or if it's mentoring or if it's, you know, even down to being more influential. Um, So it's kind of having that dialogue and really using it through metacognition, thinking about the way you think and really gaining that different mindset in the way we approach things. And you know, it's funny, you have that podcast, which is living the dream. and, And, and when you, and it is, I mean, this is, something I've never been happier with because it's, it's casting a wider net, right? It is the fortune 500s. It's hitting the bigger markets. It's, and, and you cast the widest net and you're just really not giving the fish anymore. You're really teaching others how to fish. And and that's such a blessing in its own way. So um, for me, it's, it's just incredible. It's, it's just an incredible thing to be able to do that and, and not trying to spout about a company, but I mean, it, it's, 
I couldn't ask for a better platform and company to do it with. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, you wake up every day and you're happy and it's, it's, I nice. mean, it's, that's incredible. And I'm sure everybody can see, and I can just feel it. Jason, you're, when you talk about it and who you work for and what you do, your passion just, it just flows out of you. And I think that's so, so, so cool. And now let's see if we can add some value to people that maybe don't love their, their Monday through Friday. Sure. How, how did you, you seem to me like you are so self-aware, like you know who you are, you know what you like, yeah. and you know the value you can add. First off, how did you do that? Because I think that's incredible in itself. And then how did you align your skills with your job so that way you are not dreading your your Monday through Friday? Uh, good question. Um, for me, I think it's one of those things that with self-awareness, I always find things as a bridge. Everything becomes a bridge, right? So, and this is actually one of the things in the book uh, is this idea of connectivity. It's one of the, it's the six C, if you will, which is connectivity. And it's knowing what it is that you have to offer as a human being, but it's also understanding that that isn't going to click with everybody. You know, and I think when we go back to our high school selves, you know, and all that, we kind of find like, well, what do they like to like me? It's not really like that as much as it is but it's knowing what it is you have to offer people and finding out if that's something that they truly want. And if not, we adapt, we adjust, and we try to find still within ourselves what it is we can offer. So for me, the four best ways that I know who I am in self-awareness, which is the third C, which is confidence, is this idea of self-awareness. And it really is this, this idea of I'm four things. And I know that whether I'm talking to you, whether I'm talking to my wife, whether I'm talking to a group of a thousand people, it doesn't change. And the four things I know that I can offer other people is I am passionate, I am engaging, I am authentic, and I am kind. And that's an acronym called PEAK that I believe in wholeheartedly that that's who I am. And it's not one of those things of I am who I am because I also think that's a detriment. I think if you're not willing to adapt, and I think that what happens is we get in this rut of, well, I am who I am, whether you like me or not. That's also the other side of the coin that you have to be cautious of in the workplace, because I think the the lack of willingness to adapt and build bridges to others can be a detriment too. So for me, it's just how do I shape my passion, right? With you, you have high energy. So that's so easy for me to connect with, but not everybody's high energy. So when they're not high energy, you have to bring yourself down a little bit. You have to be more one-on-one and you have to be much more connective and really listen a little bit more. And that's where you can listen passionately, right? Not just speak passionately, but listen passionately. When we talk about engagement, engagement isn't just the idea of the way you speak to people. It's the way that when they're speaking to you, that if that matters, you're invested. It's that true investment with other people. Authenticity. It's being the pure version of yourself. It's not like Chappelle's show when keeping it real goes wrong. You know what I mean? It's not that. Authenticity is being a genuine version of yourself that wants to be there for others. And kindness, I just think we get very reactionary, right? It's, it's, it's easy to get reactionary when things are upsetting to us. And, and I think in the workplace, when we're frustrated about things, it, it not saying that it's easy in the sense of we can't change it. It's just frustrating whenever things aren't going our way or that we're not connecting with the other people that we could be in the workplace, right? We're, we're not connecting with the way we should or the way we want to. And I think that when we just go to kindness and we're unflappable in that, it to me, 
I think it just is infectious. It, it, it is something that's infectious and it's unflappable. Peak. So I love that's that. The way I would approach it. That is that peak acronym is awesome. I mean, that is, that is so cool. Uh, I, I will not forget that. And you brought up a great point too. And I think it's something that I'm constantly working on. And if you want to dive in a little bit deeper, just because it triggered me as soon as you said it with listening and leadership, how, how can somebody, I'm pointing at myself and maybe some listeners also, get better at, how do I want to ask this? Because can, can listening be taught? And if so, how does a leader or, or anybody become a better listener? A great point. So a uh, little bit of brain research, and this is something I teach in class, uh, in one of my classes. It's, uh, it goes back to the old Meharabian rule, which is the old 738.55 rule. I don't know if you know it. I don't. Um, it, so the idea of active listening is that out of 100% of what we say, 7% are the actual words being said. The other 38% is the vocal delivery in which we emote it. And the 55% is the body language that comes with it. So oh, when really? I'm listening to people, I'm paying attention to the other 93% because our brain processes at 400 to 500 words a minute, but our mouths move at 100 to 150 that's why so many people listen to respond and not listen to understand. So what I'm spending that extra 250 words doing is really listening to the body language. I'm paying attention to the head nods that you just gave right there, or that when something clicks, your eyebrows come up, or I'm listening to those sort of things. And when you're speaking and something's really passionate behind the eyes, I'm going to invest even more. So active listening truly is a skill set. But you have to want to be invested in it. And if you know why, then you start seeing it. You start seeing the things they're doing. Oh, so that's I, so... I think it goes a long way. It goes... That's huge. 738.55. So 7% is the words, 38 is the tone, and 55 is the body language. That's correct. Yep. Oh, it's, that's So 38% is the rhythm, the cadence, the pace, the, you know, that sort of thing. And the 55% is eye contact. And you'll notice that I'm on, um, I look into the camera sometimes and sometimes I don't, but I think we're not newscasters. So I'm not going to be like, Hey, great <laughs> stuff, everybody. But you know, it's, but it's one of those things where you can engage more naturally that way with the body language, you know, speaking with hands or head nodding and kind of moving that way. And when you're listening, it's that true, investment into the body language coming with it. It's active. The difference between hearing and listening is that hearing is a physiological process. That's why if your wife ever said something to you, right? And she goes, are you listening? And you go, yeah, I heard you. Right? Yeah, you heard her. You weren't listening. Right? <laughs> listening is a, is a true active participation. So I do think it goes a long way. I told everybody this guy is smart and he's going to be worth your time. This is this is great stuff. Okay, so I cannot wait any longer. I need to know what the seven C's are. Jason's book, Conquering the Seven C's, uh, the letter C. Tell us about it and I'm dying to know what the seven are. Sure. So the idea of kind of over my years, over the last 14 years of teaching, you know, it's, it's taken me a long way. It's taken me into leadership roles. I found a lot of success with it. I've taught a lot of different places. And I think what I found and what I've seen in the best teachers that engage, that really dive in is the concept of preparation, but preparation looks very different. 
whenever we are engaging people both in the face-to-face and the remote space, one thing that we a lot of people in the workplace right now with COVID and things are is how do you engage remotely, right? And how can we get more engagement remotely? And I think it really comes down to what I've built, which is a CYA model. Now, Matt, get your mind out of the gutter because it's not that kind of CYA, <laughs> even though it does that. It does that too. It covers your assets, as I like to say. <laughs> what CYA is with preparation is content, yourself, and your audience. So what that means is that when you're ready to deliver some sort of presentation, engagement, what you're doing is, is you're not only building what you're delivering, but how are you going to deliver it? What is your style of delivery? How transparent are you going to be with your audience? How are you going to use the modality, Zoom, Teams? How are you going to use that to build more of you out? And that's where yourself comes in in the CYA model. And then the A is the audience. You have to anticipate reactions. This is where active listening and observing and paying attention and connectivity comes in. How do you build trust with your audience, right? How can you build trust with your audience in the snap of a finger? How do you engage with them? How do you speak to their needs without even knowing them? And that's where audience, you have to prepare for what the audience needs could be, what they look like, what, uh, what's the anticipation rather. So those CYA model then funnels around seven C's that make great teachers amazing teachers, right? And we know what great teachers are. We can all think back to the best teachers, the best engagers, that it doesn't matter where they are, what they do. They do these seven things. The first three are the voyage inward. That's why it's conquering the seven C's because there's a little bit of sailing theme and a little bit of that. I like the first three is command. It's knowing the command of the wheel. It's knowing what you truly have to offer people and knowing what your strengths are in your delivery. Are you an amazing listener? Are you very observant? Are you an excellent communicator? Are you a linguist? Are you somebody, right? You have to know what that is. See, and some people will say, fake it till you feel it, right? Or find your teacher voice. Garbage. Garbage. (laughs) Absolute garbage. That's the worst advice I ever got in 14 years of teaching. Wow. Find your voice. You find your voice. You find who you are. That's command. And then it's also knowing that with that command, you also have to be able to change what isn't. You have to know what it is you're not effective with because your audience is going to expect different things. So if I'm not great with creating group activities, that's somewhere where I need to create my focal point. I'm already good with this. Now this becomes the focal point in my teaching. How do I get better with creating more group activities? How do I use breakout rooms more effectively? How do I engage that way? Do I start encouraging hand raisers, right? Or the reactions down in Zoom? Maybe I'm not good with that. So now I focus on more questions. I have to be able to change what it is that I know I'm not great with. That's what the best leaders do. They want to change. They still know what they're great at, but they want to change. And the third is the confidence to know the difference. That's where Pete comes in. It's knowing what you have to offer, but engagement looks different to everybody, right? Passion looks different to everybody. Kindness looks a little different to everybody. So do you know how to adapt that? And do you have the confidence and the efficacy to do so? So that's the voyage inward. It's really knowing yourself. That goes with the why part, right? C, which is content, is everything we're taught in college. (laughs) But it's the tip of the iceberg. Substance, elaboration, examples, right? That's what we're taught in college. Every single job teaches substance and elaboration and knowing your content. 
right? But why is it that people are great at other things in doing so? It's the Y and the A. So the Y is the first three C's, knowing yourself, your command, what you want to change and having the confidence to do so. The fourth, fifth, and sixth C's is the audience, right? And this is being able to step outside yourself or what we call the voyage outward. And the voyage outward is really getting into this mindset of saying, okay, I know what I have. What does my audience expect of me? Mm. And this is going deeper and deeper and deeper. How do you cast a wide net to engage multiple people at once, right? How do you capture everybody's intention? And that fourth C is captivation. Mm. How do you captivate your audience? How do you get them in like that? What do you do? Right? What are the things you do that can captivate your audience? For me, I'm a dad, right? So I use dad jokes, right? I love a good dad joke. I mean, see, and look at the reaction you get right there. I just say the word dad joke and you're in, right? Genuine smile comes out. The audience is captivated. It's knowing what it is that your audience can anticipate that brings to the table. When I taught Excel, I used to use cheesy Excel jokes. Right. So I would, I'd say, look, we're going to go to cell B4, but be careful because that's next to C4 and it can explode on you. There's stupid little jokes like that to just catch the attention in a New York minute. That's captivation. It's keeping them on their toes. And once you cast a wide net to do so, then you can start really getting into the fifth C, which is clarity, clarity of purpose, clarity of meaning. Why does this matter? Oh. Yep. And not only why does it matter, but it's that old adage of with them. Why should it matter to me? Because when mm. you get that, when you really get that clarity, right, what you're doing is you're building alignment that your purpose matches my purpose. And when that happens, we're in. We're in. We'll listen for a lifetime. And from there, what we do from there is we go even deeper and we go to true connection, which is trust. See, people think trust takes time, Matt. It doesn't. Establishing trust can take a few minutes. Maybe it can take a little bit more. But I've taught classes to where within an hour, I just say, how many of you trust me? Not to say watching your kids or like trusting, <laughs> right? Or like watching your pets or things like that. Or, But how many of you trust me as your facilitator? And everybody will say yes. And the answer goes back to why. And they say, you engage us. You connect mm. with us right? And it's an authentic, real connection that gets to know who they are. We have to stop asking the question of what we do. What we do does not define who we are. Mm, agreed. Who we are is the reason we get up in the morning. And so I think that speaking to that is connective. That's the sixth C. And then the last C is going beyond. It's the voyage beyond. And it's just never stopping. It's not completion. It's completeness. And there's a big difference. Completeness is the act of being that's seeking that completeness, seeking a complete version of yourself and just not stopping, right? And it's still just recycling those six C's and just still looking for what's out there. And I think that when we do that, it really takes an approach that we know what we're doing is well, and we know what we're doing is creating an impact, but we know there's always something opportunistic. We have to get out of this break-fix world, Matt. And we live in break-fix, right? But How I do you mean break-fix? What I mean by break-fix is that think about if something breaks, right? What's the first thing you want to do is fix it. But we don't take the maintenance in advance to take care of it, right? Ah, uh, right. Right? That's what happens. 
And what happens is break fix. IT worlds, right? We wait till the server goes down and then we fix the server, (laughs) right? But instead of that, why don't we seek a better way? Seek a better way for the next time, right? We have a tendency in our job to live in the fires, to be firefighters, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be more like Smokey the Bear because only you can prevent forest fires, right? So work on prevention, work on growth, work on making things easier, faster, better, and finding that way for completeness. That's what the 7C is. And I think when we do that, the next thing is plotting your course. And that's what you do. The next part is plotting your course, finding the next way, and let's get started. That is so, so good. And I have them all down. I think I have them right. Command, change, confidence, captivation, clarity, connection, and completeness. That's a seven, my friend. Boom. Got it. I, I mean, so I'm hearing you say this. And first off, it's just so impressive. And it's just so, it's logical. It's smart. I mean, the way you present it, you can tell you're a teacher because you simplify it. If I can understand it, you must have simplified it a oh, lot. You tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but so who is, my brain says everyone, but mm-hmm. who can benefit from the book? Do you, do you have a target or is it just, it seems like the subjects are, broad enough that a lot of people could benefit from this, but is there someone you had in mind? Um, So originally when I wrote this book, it was for teachers and it was for college education programs whenever I originally started this, right? And so I originally did this for teachers that are just trying to renew their skills, or maybe it's newer teachers that are trying to find their way, right? And trying to find who they are as teachers and college education programs, because in my research, most colleges have one college classroom engagement class, classroom management. They've won. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. And then they go, good luck. <laughs> and, and that's one of the hardest things that I've seen so many teachers over the years struggle with is how do I really engage? And I think that that's where we wanted to focus on. And then what happened, Matt, is I gave the book to a couple different people in different fields to read. I asked for beta readers. And I just owe them such a sense of gratitude. I had somebody that was military. I had somebody that was in nursing. I had two people in sales. I had two trainers. I had um, somebody that was a technical sales engineer that does like, you know, subject matter experts, right? Yeah. The demo products, the demo solutions, the demo that. And every single one of them goes, this applies to my field. Like I could be doing this so much more. And then when COVID hit, it was then it was just one of those things like this book is right at the right time because when we are in meetings, how do we engage better in virtual meetings? Right. How do we engage better there? How do we engage? How do we get the most out of zoom and teams and all that other stuff? And how do we connect with people? Cause we're all on our own islands right now. And so I think that you're right. The, the, it was like when I started this, the book was targeted. And then as it sort of stretched out, it really became of like, do you want to engage other people better? It's teaching, but it's not necessarily being the teacher. It's really engaging others to make more meaning out of what you're doing. And so it is a broader audience now. I I really do believe that. It sounds like it. I mean, I know I could benefit from everything that you're saying. Do do you have a, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you have, and I think you're so right with the Zoom. And I know I've struggled with engagement sometimes, especially when speaking to a large Zoom audience. Is there, I'm sure there's, 50 of them, but can you think of one little quick tip you can give our audience here regarding a Zoom presentation or call on how they can engage better or get better response from their audience? 
I can give a couple. I think the first one that comes to my mind is no, the 738.55 rule. It's the reason we're on webcams right now. So it's right? true. And I don't mm-hmm. mean to be this guy, right? But if I did this, you already know something's lost. <laughs> 55's lost, right? You're right. And yeah. I'm not a handsome guy, Matt, but you know you miss me. And I know that, right? <laughs> and so the other thing, Matt, is that if I were to check the chat for a moment, and I don't know if they can see a Zoom chat or not, but I can start. He just muted himself for those that are just listening. For those that are just listening, you mute yourself and you type in the chat. How many of you are chatters, right? Now you only get 7%. And so I think that when you can truly engage on camera, that's a big thing. The other thing that I teach is delivering a better online presence. See, Matt, I know you see the background, right? And you see New yep. Horizons. Why is New Horizons behind me? Because that's uh, that's your brand. That's who you work for. Number one, that's it. But what if I told you that my shoulders have been between the N and the N the entire time? I can't it's see a centering it. tool. Oh, well, that's true. You're right in the center of that thing. It's a centering tool. My head is always in the middle degree. And the reason why the degrees are up there is not just for credibility. It's because it keeps my head center. And if my head gets too high, then I know I'm getting off camera a little bit. So it keeps me centered. Oh, that's smart. I've so never heard of that before. Tool. <laughs> it's the reason why my lighting is behind me because it creates a shadowing effect. That's so smart. I mean, that's it's simple presence. and powerful. Yeah. It's presence is where it goes. It's the same reason I'm not looking directly into the camera the entire time, but it's almost like I'm talking to you directly. I'm positioned to the right. So therefore you're on this screen for me to talk to you. It's almost like I'm having a conversation with you right now. So that's why you see me looking this way because I'm talking to you. And then if I talk to the camera, to the audience, and I say, this is what I would suggest, but then it's back and forth. My hands are always elbow resting because I'm a hand talker. So I use a hands in the box technique. So my hand, my elbows are already always here. So my hands are always on camera and they never go more than three feet out in front. Never more than this because my elbows are rested. It keeps me in control. I mean, it's like everything. I I think this is what I'm most impressed with. Everything you do is intentional. Like there's a reason you're doing, I've been in Toastmasters for a while and they say move. Do you love, I've had a feeling you, you would be very good in the, you've either done it or you've, You'd be amazing at it, but they talk about moving with purpose and I've never been great at it. I'm constantly working on it. And you're a perfect example of that. Like everything you're doing, there's a reason behind it. I think that's so impressive. It is. It's, it's, I think it's a centering tool and you, and I have to give you a lot of credit. I love the centering you have too, because with your background, you can see that it's almost very, very center right where you are between the two walls. So that is wonderful (laughs) centering. So you, you are doing it. You might not even realize you're doing it, but that's why you have great presence on camera too. And that when you're centered like that, it goes a long way, right? So I think that when we talk about managing the remote environment, it really is building a better presence and making the most of the square that you have in front of you, because that is where true connectivity lives. I think that's huge. I mean, those were, I asked for one, we got like six takeaways. So that's a, that's a, no, you're an overachiever. I love it. That's one of them, your best qualities. I think I I have to ask you this and I'm really switching gears, but we know you have four beautiful daughters age, age between two and 18. And when I hear your story and you're losing all this weight and you're getting healthier and you're feeling better, how do you, for people, it's just my wife and I, we don't have kids yet. We don't have pets yet. How do you balance or, or maybe it's not possible to fully balance, but doing all of this, writing a book, you, you have four kids, you're married. Like, how do you, how do you make it all work? 
Um, I believe in a chunk block tackle method. And um, another thing I teach in courses is chunk block tackle, right? And so what I truly believe is chunk is compartmentalized. So right now, like I, I'm a little bit over my time a little bit, uh, you know, with where I am, but normally by like 530, that's my time that I'm going to have with family for the extent of the period of time. That means I'm not checking work emails. And even if somebody's reaching out to me, I may realize it's an emergency. I may shoot a quick response, but then after a certain period of time, that's my time. So for me, it's chunking the time. So for me, when I'm getting up in the morning, you have to know your best times and your peak times. I am great in the morning. Me right? too. I am great mm -hmm. in the morning. So when it's 6 a.m., that's my time to run. And I know, Matt, that if I don't do that, then I won't do it the rest of the day. So true. I won't do I agree. It. But we're different. But sometimes we're different. I know people that are very much midday people. And during lunch is when they run because that's their peak. So it's finding your time to compartmentalize. For me, when I write my book, it's always a little bit late. It's not later in the day. It's not in the evening, but it's always a little bit more on the weekends. Once my daughter's down for a nap, my youngest one's down for a nap, that's my time where I feel fresh and I'm like, let's do it. And so it's knowing the compartmentalization and then it's taking the extra step to block it out on the calendar. Even my weekends are blocked on certain times, certain periods, because it's that time that I'm saying this time's dedicated to writing. And not only that, but we create agendas for meetings with other people, do we not? We do. But we don't do it with ourselves. What are we mm -hmm. gonna do in this time? I'm gonna build a framework for chapter one. I'm gonna do X, I'm gonna do Y. And Matt, that's the biggest thing that when I wrote, I learned this in the PhD program, this ugly mamma jamma was 276 <laughs> pages of a nightmare. And there's no way I would have ever done it if I didn't learn how to compartmentalize. And that's what it is. It's just learning to fragment your time. We always have more time than we think we do, but we have to create it. And then once we're in that time, you tackle, you go uninterrupted you go reckless abandon and you do it. And if you fail, fail miserably, but go at it and don't go until it stops. That's it. Oh, that's so good. I mean, you're, it's just, it's just, it's blowing my mind how intentional you are about every single thing that you do. And I would imagine that skyrockets your productivity. And that's probably why you're able to do as much as you've done and you're going to do in the future. Oh, you, you got me wanting to change my ways. There's a bunch of changes I need to make from all this. Well, don't react. So, that's a big thing. Don't react, proact, right? It's that, I mean, and that's a real Covey principle going years and years ago is that idea of we don't react to the fires. We build a new way. We don't like, we have to stop seeking answers like fad diets, right? That's an answer. That's not building a better way, right? And I don't believe in diets. I think it's restrictive and then you want it more. And then that's what happens. It's the same thing with exercise. It's something that we want to answer. So we create a quick answer and then we do it and then we get tired of it. It's really building a better way. We have to stop seeking answers and reacting to it, build a better way. So the next challenge, Matt, and, and, and you're such an inspiration yourself. I mean, seriously, I mean, and I always go into mind, well, I can't lift 20, you know, a million pounds in 24 hours, but now it's like, well, if I want to change my ways, how would I build a better way to do so? Right. And that's what I think you do that without even realizing it, that I think that's the difference between those that really do and those that want to do is that we build a better way, right? We got to stop seeking answers and build a better way. Ah, oh, that's so good. I wrote that down too. build a better way. There were probably 86 nuggets you could have written down already in this interview. And, and I'm, my paper is, is full and I need to start writing on the back. Um, so 
I, I got to ask you, and, and I'm going to fire the final five questions here okay. at Jason in a second, which he has no idea they're coming. I'm excited I, about I truly uh, don't. I, I don't. <laughs> so before I do that, how can people find you? We said on Amazon, the book will be available July 1st. Is there a place people can go to connect with you and learn more about you? Yeah. So one of the parts that our uh, company wanted me to do was build a website, build a domain. So if they, I kept it real simple. If they go to drjasonpew.com, they can check out the profile, see more about what the seven C's is about. They can see sort of testimonials from classes. They can see even about the family. Like I said, I am a family guy, so they can see more about me and the family we have. I will say we are a diverse family, different ages, different races, different. I mean, that's just who we are. We're very... I always believe in diversity of thought, diversity of idea, diversity of personality. That's just something I truly believe in. And you get to see a little bit more about me and my family as well. But if they go to Dr. Jason Pugh, dot com, they can check that out. And then they can even pre-order the book on Amazon. It does come out July 1. It is in pre-launch right now, but you can find it on Amazon. And then July 1st, it comes out and it's ready to go. But they can buy the book from the website. They can buy the book uh, directly going to Amazon and just searching Conquering the Seven Seas. They'll find it there too. And if you have questions, there's also a contact form. If I can just help anybody in any way, if you're running into any questions like how Matt does and, you know, just, you know, Matt changes lives one person at a time. And if it's something too that, hey, how do I kind of work in better leadership and just ask the questions, there's a contact form there too. So, uh, you know, for me, it's about helping. I love it. Uh, yeah, me and you both. So that's, I'll put all that in the show notes so everybody can see and click on the Amazon link and also your website. Is that Dr. DR or is it spelled out? Uh, DR. Thank you. DR. Good call. Yeah, drjasonpugh.com. Uh, Thank you for that. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. Well, I, I, I got to make sure I have it down there the right yep. way too. Uh, yeah. All right. So we got a bunch of ways you can connect with Dr. Jason Pugh here. I hope you reach out to him because this guy. He's something special, and I cannot wait to read the book myself. I will get my hands on it ASAP. And maybe since I interviewed Jason, he'll give me a copy earlier than everyone else. No, I don't want a special treatment. I, I want to get it when everyone else does. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the final five? I am. I'm ready right. for the final five. Here we go. I amended one of the questions, and I, I'm excited to hear your response to this. Okay. okay. First one is, what are you most grateful or thankful for? I told you he my didn't know wife. were coming. I'm excited. My wife, yeah, my I would say honestly, my wife. I think, you know, not being a little bit too candid or transparent, I know that who kind of who I was growing up and meeting her, um, who that kind of helped me to shape to be. My wife is the most patient person you ever meet. She's uh, and I think that if you don't meet her, you don't build a foundation the way that it is. So uh I am insanely grateful for her. She is a better person than anybody I've ever met. And just uh, her. And I think, and I, you know, I would say my kids too, but for me, it's like my kids are who also they are because of her. So I'd say I'm, I'm really grateful for my wife. And, I, and I'm also grateful for, I've had the same best friends for 35 years for my entire life. So wow. um, they are brothers to me, you know, uh, and for those that know who they are, they know who they are. You know, the, the, I always like, I'll, I'll even give a shout out to, you know, the Dewitas, Jason and Josh and Greg Coyne. It's the same best friends I've had for 35 years. And they're just, they're people that shape me to be better. So I'm grateful for them. 
That's a great answer. And now we need to make sure I'll snip that out and send it to your wife so she sees what yeah, she's most grateful be, yeah, for. We'll, we'll she make- will, the funny thing is, is she listens to me all day. So she's like, I'm not listening to this podcast here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a small snippet, 30 That's seconds. It. Just That's that piece. That'll be That's the it. anniversary Just message, that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who, and maybe there's some overlap with this question. We'll see how you answer. Who is your hero? Definitely. By the way, it can, oh, go ahead. It can be alive, dead. It can be somebody you know, don't know, whoever you want. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it, it is my parents. Uh, they're not together, but separately in their own entity, they are They are absolutely my heroes. I, I think they both kind of taught me the best of both worlds. My dad taught me drive and work ethic. He, you know, being Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh dad, he is that Pittsburgh dad. He's all <laughs> yeah. about work ethic and character and and lesson building. And, and my dad is the reason why you mentioned doing things with purpose and intention that everything's intentional, do things with character, do things with integrity. It's because of him. And I think the helping side, the compassion side is because of my mother. My mother is the most compassionate human being I've ever known. She is just kindness in a bottle. And I think the sensitivity she has is just next level. And and so they are absolutely my heroes. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, that's a great, I mean, it's just amazing the certainty you have with that answer too. I think that says a lot. That is very cool. You're getting me to think though. I have to like good. ponder. You're getting me to really <laughs> have to ponder though, man. Normally I'm pretty good with the answers on the fly and get them. So you're getting me to think here. Oh, good. Well, let's see if you have to think about this one or this comes okay. off the top of the head. This is going to be my, I love them all, but this, this should be fun. What is your, and this is the one I amended. What is your best dad joke? Do you have one that you can just go to? Um, okay. So the one that I like is, um, the, uh, there's an actress that I I don't know if you know this, that recently died, uh, that, yeah, I don't know if you heard that. No. Um, oh, um, she had, she Reese, um, Reese, what's her name? Reese Witherspoon didn't die. Did she? No, it was with a knife. She got stabbed with a knife. That's a bad joke. It wasn't with a spoon. It was with a knife. There you go. I got to tell you, you blindsided me. I didn't know where that was going. That's that was why solid. I like it. Well done. Yeah. Very well done. I can act that one out. That's why I like it. I can act it out a little bit. You know, that's part of the... Uh, 55 part of the 55 there it is that's the body yeah. like, there he that's is it. there he is i love it i'm learning Excellent. i'm learning <laughs> yeah okay what is I'm, I'm really curious about this one what is the biggest setback you have overcome at any point in your life so i think the biggest setback um from a mental health standpoint actually i would say um you know, you find out why you're quirky and why you're things. And so one thing about me is I, I, and I don't mean to use this term lightly, but it is a diagnosis of OCD, of obsessive compulsive disorder. And so um, I think that's kind of why I irritated a lot of people over the years and why, <laughs> I mean, and, and being dead serious, I think yeah. it's why, because it was just so in your face and I had to explain things six times before it would happen. And I think having that understanding has been a real challenge because I think that's why self-awareness is so important to me because it's something that I never had that now I really need to focus more on it because I know the way that I am 
doesn't always resonate with other people. And I think that overcoming that and understanding that and getting the, getting sort of the help that I, I think when we talk about mental health, paying attention to the help you need and getting that help and finding the support systems to help you through it. I think that's why I am grateful for, you know, my mom and my dad and my wife and my best friends, because even through the years of that, of that annoyance and that obsessive compulsive and me breaking down because I can't have it a particular way that they still love me in spite of me. And I think that that overcoming that and now having more of that self-awareness really makes a difference. So um, I think that's the biggest obstacle overcoming. Um, I, and it's not easy to talk about, but it becomes easier to talk about the more that it is. I'm sure. I mean, I appreciate you opening up. I, I did not know that. Um, that's, and it's awesome that you've overcome it. I mean, for anyone yeah. that's struggling with anything or especially that, there's definitely hope. I mean, you crushed it, which is awesome. Uh, I have a feeling you've thought about this last question. How do you want to be remembered? I mean, I think it does go back to peak. I mean, I was, I I was think, thinking the same thing. I, I think that's really what it is, Matt. I mean, and, and just trying to really think about it. I, I think that at the end of the day, if, if people remember that I was truly passionate about what I did, that I did it with conviction, right? That I really wanted to engage other people that I did not, not that I like, you know how they say, well, I don't care what other people think, but I do care what other people think because I think it opens the floor. And I think that I engaged conversation with people. I think that if people knew that I did it with real authenticity, that I never wanted to be a fake version of myself, but this is who I really am, but it's a way that I can help others. And I think that if people remember me, that I really did try to help others, that it really was about kindness, that it really was about just doing the right things for the right reasons. Then, you know, if my kids see that and, you know, if my wife has loved me for that, and if that's the way that I'm remembered and then, then, then I can definitely go peacefully at that point. I think, you know, I, I think I can go with solace, you know? I, I do know. And I mean, you, I appreciate all the answers to all those uh, questions, including the amazing dad joke. I got to write that down because I didn't. I'll rewatch this and then write it down. This is phenomenal. This is Dr. Jason Pugh, Conquering the Seven Seas. The book is coming out July 1st. You can pre-order it now. Definitely check the show notes because I'll have all the info, the links, Amazon and Jason's website will be listed. Thank you, my friend. This has been amazing. And you you just over-delivered in a massive way. Awesome. Hey, this was fun, Matt. I appreciate it. It was it was a good time, man. I love the energy and just I uh, really appreciate you having me on. Well, thanks for stopping by. And when you release your next book, you're coming back. Let's do it again. That sounds like a plan, buddy. All right. Thanks again, Jason. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. (laughs) Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks and I love you so much. Oh, 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 oh,